Well, guys, welcome to the first session of Purpose and Priorities, according to Paul's first letter to Timothy. Timothy is a hero in the Bible that is mentioned 24 times. So I gave you there a list of the 24 passages where Timothy is mentioned. His mother was Jewish, his father Greek. He was Paul's cell companion. Yep, they did jail time together. More than once he felt death's breath upon his cheek. Paul used him as a courier, running messages hither and yon. He trusted Timothy with precious parchment and bags of coin and with the ruling of the church at Ephesus. We'll talk about Timothy first, and then we'll look at the first four verses of Paul's first letter to Timothy. In Acts 15, we see that Paul and his fellow minister named Barnabas were going to go visit churches that they had already established. And Barnabas was determined to take John Mark with him, who I believe was a relative. And Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. The contention became so sharp that Paul and Barnabas parted from one another. And Barnabas took John Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed being commended by the brethren to the grace of God, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. End of the chapter. Look what happens the very next verse. Acts 16, verse 1. Then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him. So that's the reason for believing. He took the place of John Mark. It happened so quick. I mean, it wasn't like the next day, but it was like the next verse. <laughs> there could have been some months in between here. He took him, and here's what's unusual, circumcised him. Now, for Timothy to allow that to happen is huge. I mean, uh, that's major surgery for a grown man. Uh, there's a story in the Bible of a tribe uh, a clan got circumcised, and they were able to kill them all the after three days because they were all so sick from pain. But here Timothy's eager to serve God, and he's wanting to travel with this man who ministers to Jews and Gentiles. And because his father was Greek, and the Jews in that region would know he wasn't circumcised, they would be upset if Paul took him into the synagogue with him. Because when Paul would go to a town to start a church, he'd go to the synagogue first. And being uncircumcised, he couldn't take Timothy with him. So Timothy submitted, and Paul circumcised him. He had been a rabbi, so he knew how to do it do it right. And, and after that happened, however long that was, they went through the cities and delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. And you can read about those decrees in Acts chapter 15, that as far as the law of Moses was concerned, obviously the commands of Christ were to be preeminent. That's what they were to teach all believers, everything Jesus commanded. But as far as the law of Moses was concerned, they asked that they would do four things. Uh, stay away from idolatry. Stay away from fornication. Stay away from, from uh, strangled beats and things offered to idols. And so this was an official letter from the Jerusalem church sent throughout the, the empire through Paul's churches because he was constantly getting harassed by uh, 
Judaizers or people coming in and confusing new believers with the law of Moses. And believe it or not, that still happens in our day. When I, when I studied the book of Galatians years ago, yeah, it was history to me. Today it's very current. People are still doing that mess. Telling people you have to keep the Sabbath. Meanwhile, they break the laws of Sabbath to go to worship on the Sabbath by going there. You know, they surpass the limit of traveling to go celebrate the Sabbath. So you're just picking and choosing the laws of Moses and what they want to do. Meanwhile, Jesus is enough. I'm getting off of my subject here. All right. So that was Acts 16. And um, we can read in Colossians 4.10 and 2 Timothy 4.11 where Paul said some nice things about John Mark. But we won't get into that. That's not our lesson tonight. Uh, in his letters, he mentions Timothy in every single letter except Galatians and Ephesians. And probably because Timothy was a leader at, at Ephesus so much, there was no need to mention him in Ephesus. Um, in Romans 16, he ends the letter with these words, Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my countrymen, greet you. So here he calls Timothy his fellow worker. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he tells the church in Corinth, For though you have, you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. So he was the church planner. So they might have a lot of teachers, but the only one dad, and he was, he was their spiritual dad. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. So chances are Timothy wasn't married like Paul was, and so they, they, could, they had the advantages of being single. They were mobile guys. And so Timothy helped Paul in his ministry. All right, I want to look at one more. There's 24 of them there, but actually two more. Uh, Philippians 2. Paul tells the church in Philippi, he's in prison while he's writing this. He says, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have, and he's speaking of Timothy very highly, I have no one like-minded. There's nobody else like Timothy who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. So you can see this was a valuable guy. This was, you know, if... If you owned a company and he was your foreman, you, you could go on vacation with him in charge of things. And if you're a, a pastor and you're in jail, you could leave your congregation in his care and he would make sure that no riffraff takes over. He, would, he was a trustworthy guy. Um, and this was interesting to me. I learned this today. I just, it just never jumped out at me before. Timothy's mentioned in Hebrews. Now, a lot of people debate on whether or not Paul wrote Hebrews. Who wrote Hebrews? Who wrote Hebrews? Well, he, you know, Timothy's mentioned in the New Testament 23 other places. 
and Paul, you know, did most of the mentioning. Maybe Paul did write Hebrews, because look, the last part of Hebrews says, Hebrews 13, 23, Know that our brother Timothy has been set free, with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. So this was a good guy. This was a good guy. Now it is believed that 1 Timothy was written to him uh, when he was pastoring the congregation Paul started in Ephesians 19. I mean in Acts 19, in Ephesus, the Ephesian church. There's more written about the Ephesian church in Acts than any of the other churches, I believe. And it's also mentioned by Jesus in Revelation. And uh, uh, Pastor Jack Hayford says the book, the book of Ephesians is a template for discipleship. And he patterned all his years of ministry at Church on the Way but with the pattern of the book of Ephesians. The first half of Ephesians is all about God's love for us and who we are in Christ. The last half, last half is how we're supposed to live. So we live for him based on his life in us and his blessing in our lives. So let's look at 1 Timothy. Uh, by the way, 2 Timothy is the last book Paul ever wrote. I preached on 2 Timothy years ago. It took me several weeks at the Country Left Theater, and I called it Last Words for the Last Days. And that was a fun series. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Any any questions so far or comments before we dive in? Okay. Paul, he introduces himself, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, the word apostle means a sent one, somebody commissioned and sent on a mission. By the commandment of God our Savior. Now, how can he say he was commanded to be an apostle. Well, in Acts 9, you know, he's knocked down, he's blind, he's needing ministry, and three days later, Ananias comes and lays hands on him. He's healed and baptizes him and lays hands on him to receive the Holy Spirit. But Ananias didn't want to do it because this guy was a, was a, was a trickster. He was a persecutor of the church. He was having people killed and persecuted. And... Uh, God spoke to Ananias and said, I've called this man to minister to Gentiles and Jews. So this was a calling. So to say he's an apostle, a sent one, doesn't mean he went without being sent. He was sent. That was his calling. But the way God works, first comes the calling, then comes the sending. And sometimes, even in my own life, I knew there was a calling but I didn't. I got impatient and didn't wait on the sending, and got ahead of the Lord. Um, in Paul's case, he waited on the Lord's sending. And in Acts 13, it said the church in Antioch was ministering to the Lord and fasting, and the Lord spoke through prophecy, and the prophecy was, "Separate unto me Saul, who later became known as Paul, and Barnabas, for the work." unto which I have called them. So there was the calling first, then there was the separation for that work, and then they laid hands on them and sent them. So for him to say he's an apostle by the commandment of God, he believes it. Um, 
He says, God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ our hope. As our Savior, God takes care of our past. You know, he saves us from our past. He takes away the pain of regret, washes away our guilt, pays for our sins on the cross. God did that for us. But we have the hope of Christ coming back, and that speaks of our future. So here we are. Paul is an apostle of Jesus, is represented by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. It's been secured in the past as propelling us onward into the future. To Timothy, a true son in the faith. Now, um, Timothy's mother was named, his mother and grandmother were named Eunice and Lois. With a name like Eunice, remember that movie? Um, he didn't have a spiritual dad at home. His father was Greek, his father was an unbeliever. His mother and no doubt his grandmother were Jewish and they went on and became Messianic Jews converted through Paul's ministry. So Timothy related to Paul as his father because he discipled him. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. That's a greeting, but it's loaded. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. And mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. And peace is our portion. It's our inheritance to receive because it's been settled. We, we our, our salvation is secure in Jesus. And it comes to us from our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 3. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia... Remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Now, if you look at your map, you can see Paul is, uh, has gone into Macedonia and urged him to remain in Ephesus. Now, Macedonia is, I think part of that is called Macedonia even today, but it's part of northern Greece, and Ephesus is in Turkey. Tom has actually been there. The, the, the city ruins are 20 miles from where the city is now because of flooding and erosion and the river uh, taking over land and, and uh, or land taking over river. I'm not sure which. It, it was a seaport city, and it's not anymore, right? The river filled it in. The river filled it in. Yeah, so Paul goes across the Aegean Sea to minister in Macedonia and leaves Timothy in charge of the church in Ephesus. He uh, had ministered there before, more than once, uh, had seen God do great things, but there was problems, not just from the Judaizers coming in and trying to put the law of the Old Testament on people, but there were the idol, idol makers for the goddess of Diana that were ticked off, and there were power-hungry people who thought they were more spiritual than God thought that were seeking to bring division into the church. And so he left Timothy in charge. Uh, there were other times when Paul would start a church and leave and then come back later and appoint elders. In Ephesus, apparently doing that wasn't a good idea, and so he had to send Timothy or, or leave Timothy there while he went on to minister elsewhere. 
and his charge was to charge people that they would teach no other doctrine, no other teaching other other than the gospel that Paul had preached. So you said he went from Macedonia to Turkey? Um, no, he, he, he went to Macedonia. Turkey, or it was called Asia. He went from Asia or Turkey to Macedonia and left Timothy in Ephesus. And it's believed this was after Paul's first jail stay in Rome. So they were to, they were to teach no other doctrine. Now, what is this doctrine? Well, the following verses kind of give clues. Uh, it would be something other than the gospel, obviously. And nor to give heed to fables. That would be things that people make up or try to give... Uh, meaning to things that aren't necessarily scriptural, and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. So I am not sure what the struggle was there, but apparently your pedigree was really important, the son of, the son of, the son of, the son of, and trying to trace your roots back to whoever. And... And I know even in our day, a person can get get caught up in their their genealogy, almost make a religion out of it. I think it's a, it could be a fun hobby, but to to be obsessed with your ancestors to the point that the gospel loses its beauty, and to the point the lordship of Jesus is not the main issue with you, but it's who your forefathers were. This uh, falls short of God's plan. Um, I mean, the, four, really, the forefather of all forefathers fell into sin. Adam, yes, sir? They were really getting into a big family tree. Was just huge, huh? It could, yeah, it could. I mean, they were going so, so far back to really investigate things mm-hmm. from son to son to son to son. And then um, that in itself, I mean, I, I don't want to read into the text, but that in itself could lead to people thinking that certain inheritances should be theirs. Yeah. This is my people's land. Uh, and even today this uh, you've got websites where you can go search your family tree it is fascinating but it can get a hold of you it can become an addiction and even with DNA testing you know am I Jewish or am I this or am I that and um, you know I know a guy he's real obsessed with being Jewish he's never had the DNA test he has no record of it but somebody told him he was, and so now he's wear, wearing little hats and and uh, acting strange, and it's affecting his witness. He's not leading people to the Lord with that. It's, it's clouding what Jesus was about. And it's so easy to get caught up in something like that. Huh? Um, Pastor, can I yes. speak to that genealogy? Thing? Yeah. In the Jewish customs and the history, when you were in born a Jew, your genealogy said where you could work, what you could do, and what your station would be. So if you were born of the tribe of Levi, you could be a priest. If you were not born of the tree, the tribe of Levi, you could not be a priest under any circumstances. And so your genealogy, and that's the reason why Matthew lays out the genealogy of Christ so that the Jewish people who are caught up and, and that dictates their life for them, 
that would know that Christ was the Messiah. But, you know, that they would argue the genealogies because they would that would give them a a potential place of advancement based upon their heritage. So that was something very important that they really needed to know. Very important to the, the Jews. Jews. Gentiles didn't care. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're pretty much the Trash. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, so much history is filled with injustice. So to try to undo the damage done by our forefathers, you'll never stop fighting about it. So he talks about these things that cause disputes rather than godly edification is in faith. Uh, some people are obsessed with disputes because they know they're right. And you know what? They might be right, but nobody else knows they're right. And so they're going to be angry for the rest of their life and not walk in godly edification that comes from faith. And what is the faith? That God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but might have everlasting life. Now, you may be the king of, uh, you may be the descendant of Richard the Lionheart. I celebrate that, enjoy that, but don't allow it to rob you of the inheritance we have in Christ. We've been born again. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And the work Jesus did on the cross was to put an end to all disputes. Anyway. Um, and that's basically the entrance. Uh, he alludes to that they're getting into the law and other things later on, but I'll leave that for next week's teacher. Uh, any other insights about genealogies and fables and things that could lead to disputes, cause disputes? This is where pol we, we have to be careful with politics because that can lead to disputes. Um, just have to be careful. And one side may be totally right. But everybody doesn't know that. And so, well, don't you believe in right? I do, but I also believe in peace, and I believe in faith, and I believe in godly edification, and what matters for eternity really is the rule that, the, the reign that should rule. Um, and I was one of those that had to be right about everything, and when I was wrong, I just hated it. I just fell apart. And so, you know, my parents told me I was a little boy, son, you would argue with the sign you painted. And I was a... I was a, a contentious person, so, and part of it was because of inferiority and you know not realizing you know our, my identity in Jesus. And, you know, I didn't. I thought it was hard to get saved. Didn't believe I was saved for years. So, and plus, part of it was it is fun to argue. <laughs> it feels good to be right. Yeah. But in reality, when it comes to the art of arguing, there are people much better at it than me. So I have seen this light. <laughs> and, 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 it, and it's been to my disadvantage that I'll know that when I argue, I really don't argue seriously. And, it, and it's been my misfortune that when discussing certain political agendas or whatever, just some people, it's life and death, and they take it really serious. And uh, I've, I've had to work on it. When I see I get under people's skin, I'll just kind of egg it on and egg it on. And then when I really get them upset, I'll just say whatever and walk off. And, and I found out I can't do that with really. 
can't be the uh, devil's advocate. Yeah, I mean it. Yeah. You know, some people hold their and, and that and that's their right. So get people fired up. Just keep them out. We just have to be careful and not um, not be pipsqueaks, but not be puppets either, mm-hmm. to the whim of those that would push our buttons and. Um, distracted from what we're called to do. So register to vote, and you know, it's a secret ballot. But you want to tell people what you're voting for and, and why? Great. But I'm telling you, the gospel reigns and rules supreme. The kingdom of God is the only eternal kingdom, and we can't allow that to fall by the wayside. Anyway, so that's the beginning of First Timothy a letter to a young man that was going to establish order in the church. And this letter covers a lot of ground, as you can see from the list of lessons. Purpose of the law, the purpose of God's grace, the purpose of prophecies, the purpose for prayers, priorities for men and women, priorities for elders and deacons, or as I like to say, overseers and ministers, purpose of the scriptures, priority of good teaching, priority of godly living, priorities for your ministry, Priorities for church order, priorities for honoring, the priority of personal honor, priorities for servants and employees, uh, priority of contentment, priority of obedience, and the purpose of prosperity. And the letter ends on that note rather suddenly. And so take a look at any of those subjects, any any of them you want to tackle. The date is there. Buy it. Check your schedule read the passage and say, you know what, I'd like to tackle that. and Just read about it, pray about it, use a dictionary, study, talk to your friends or whatever as you get ready, and go for it. Go for it. Anybody else? I've noticed in my, my studies and my readings is that it is really a, uh, a guide for mentoring for, for young people I think I grew up in a, in a maybe a different. I grew up in a, a very independent Baptist uh, church, and, and it was very uh, elders and older people were held in high esteem, and you you looked up to them. You were taught to respect them, and you looked at the life they led, and you admired them, and, and there was traits that you would see in them, and you go, wow. You know, and I think some of the time today that maybe with the young people of today miss out on that. Some <clears throat> they don't know who the veterans were. I mean, I knew who the veterans was in our church who fought in the war. You know, they had been prisoners of war or whatever. And hell, man, man, that guy made it through the Baton Death March. That was, a, you know, and most kids they don't even know what World War Two was about. Yeah. You know, and it's. Uh, and so, but my point is, is that uh, that is one of the reasons I work with the young people is we need people to look up to to show the young people the way that that, that a Christian man would live, the, the young men of our church, and 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 be be there for our young people or try yes. to be. Anytime you have an opportunity to bless the young people or reach out to them, always do that. You know? yeah. Good. On the subject of disputes, um, 
there's a strong case can be made that our Christian history is being expunged from our textbooks. We can get mad and rant and rave about it, or we can help fill the gap by teaching Christian history. Um, African Americans have known what it's like to not have your history recorded, and so, you know, like over a century ago, they started Black History Month to teach their people their history to remind them that, you know, they did come from somewhere, and the gospel is all through African American history. As they, you know, as slaves, they found the Lord, and and uh, so they still celebrate that. So I don't want to down history. Obviously, history is important. If you don't learn from it, you're bound to repeat it. But arguing and getting distracted from our real purpose is the, is the thing I think to watch out for. Watch out for disputes. Speak the truth and then leave it alone. I mean, if people won't receive what you have to say, they just won't. Um, None of us are that good of arguers to persuade a man that has made his mind up. You know? <laughs> a man convinced against his own will is of the same opinion still. <laughs> That's so true. 